I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and it's our press review show, the show in which we go through the back pages, the show in which we scour the internet for all the latest Arsenal-related transfer reports, and we bring them to you, and we discuss them, and we get your thoughts as well, of course, from the live chat box. The sun is shining here in London. It's a beautiful day. It's Friday. Uh, there isn't an Arsenal game at the weekend to worry or stress about. Uh, just the small matter of the UEFA Champions League final to sit back and enjoy. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling a lot more relaxed uh, since the season ended and uh, a lot more chilled. And um, hopefully over the course of the summer, we're going to be made happy by this football club. We're going to bring in some players that are going to help us push on to that next level. Uh, but I do expect there to be a few departures as well. So lots and lots of work to be done between now and when the summer transfer window closes. Let me say a few hellos to some of you in the live chat. Uh, big hello to Afsar, to Henry, to Martin, uh, to Stephen, uh, to Joey. Who else we got? Um, Matt, uh, another Matt, uh, to Creambone, to Richie, to Nikomo, uh, Matt Guna. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant to see you all in the live chat. Matt Guna says, uh, nice to tune in live while working on my final uni assignment. Good luck, mate. All the best with it. Um, I'm sure you're going to smash it. And um, yeah, what's it about? Let us know. Uh, let us know. Uh, big thank you. Uh, to Joey Ellitz, who says, uh, best Arsenal podcast on YouTube and has donated uh, very, very kindly to the channel. Joey, thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really do appreciate it. So what are we going to be discussing on this show? Well, we're going to be discussing the reports linking Arsenal with a move for Manchester City's Alexander Zinchenko. We're going to be talking about Decore, not Everton's Decore, uh, another player who's being linked with a move to Arsenal. We'll also be bringing you the latest on Marquinhos, a player that looked like uh, we had almost completed a deal for uh, just a few days ago, but things seem to have taken a bad turn uh, with regards to that one. We'll bring you the latest on that. And of course, I'm going to share with you guys my thoughts on the Eddie and Ketia reports. Now, it's not been announced yet by the club that Eddie Nketiah has signed a new deal. But based on the reports that we're reading and based on the noises coming out of the football club at the moment, it looks as though he could well be um, signing a contract extension for five years. And it's rumoured to be valued at around about 100k a week. So we'll be uh, getting across that as well, because I realise we haven't done a show since that news come out. Now, I have to apologise for the lack of a press review show yesterday. Um, I had some problems with my computer. I've still got problems with my computer. And I spent a lot of the day yesterday hanging around uh, trying to see if it could be fixed. Doesn't look like it is going to be fixed. So I'm going to have to get a new one. Um, but I am using another one at the uh, in the meantime. So if the quality is a little bit less or if there's any issues, uh, I do beg your pardon. Uh, but I thought I'd get back at a reasonable time yesterday. I had a few meetings and, uh, and a social event at work and I didn't get home till really, really late. And when I did, I'd been kicking a ball around the park for like three, four hours and I was knackered. 
sign of old age and i just didn't have the energy to do the podcast so i didn't uh, but we are going to make up for it today of course with a bumper edition of the press review right let's start off then with the alexander zinchenko story and that is a story that comes from the mail now according to the mail arsenal are considering a move for the 25 year old manchester city and ukraine left back alexander zinchenko now this is one of those that when you first hear about it, like when you first hear of that connection, when you first hear of that link, you don't exactly get excited. You don't exactly jump off of your seat. Why? Because he is somebody who's been on the peripheries of what Manchester City have done in the last few years. Uh, he's proven himself in the past to be a, a very trustworthy operator, somebody that Pep Guardiola has been able to call on in a number of different roles. He's played in centre midfield. He's played at left back. He can play wide left if he needs to as well. Um, so, yeah, he, he's someone that Pep Guardiola keeps around the place and, and obviously trusts to come in and fill holes in the side. So it isn't like the most glamorous signing, right? It isn't a signing, as I say, that makes you go, oh, wow, that's a guy I want to get on the back of my shirt. But I think if Arsenal were able to do this and if Alexander Zinchenko and Manchester City were all in on this, this could be a really, really smart piece of business. Um, and I will. Uh, I will explain why in just a moment. Um, I, I've just got to address uh, Matt, who's uh, appreciative of the shirt. Uh, it's like a retro UK uh Ukraine, Ukraine shirt. He says, who's on the back? No one, mate. It's just a retro uh, shirt. And, I, and I've got to be honest, right? When I woke up this morning and I got dressed and I put this on, I didn't even know uh, about the Zinchenko link. I read it afterwards. So it wasn't done on purpose, I promise you. Um, but yeah, look, let's get back to Zinchenko. So why do I think this would be a really smart piece of business? Well, if you look at Alexander Zinchenko, 25 years old, he's not a kid, right? He's not somebody who's still learning his trade. He's somebody who's very um, experienced. You know, you're talking about someone in Zinchenko who's won four Premier League titles, an FA Cup, four League Cups. So he knows what it takes to win. Clearly would bring that sort of know-how to the dressing room. Um, he's 25 years old. As I say, his contract at Manchester City is due to expire in 2024. So you'd think if they're going to sell him, this would probably be a decent time. He's played 48 times for Ukraine, scoring eight goals um, in that time as well. So he has been able to get forward uh, when playing for Ukraine and impact games in that way as well. I think if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, I think he plays a little bit more frequently in the midfield for his national side than he does at left back, which is what we've seen him do quite often for Manchester City over recent years. But the fact that he can do that, right, the fact that he looks in my opinion, equally comfortable in both of those positions would make him a real asset to the squad because he's instantly an upgrade for me on El Nenny. He's instantly an upgrade on, you know, Maitland-Niles if he's to come back. And also we talk over and over and over again about the need for somebody to cover for Kieran Tierney. And I think as much as you know, I, I want him to succeed and I think that he has shown glimpses of, of of being a good player and that he's got all the raw sort of attributes that you need in terms of his athleticism to go on and be a really, really big player for Arsenal. I think we can all agree. Um, I think we can all agree that Nuno Tavares is just not quite up to it. And we've seen that Kieran Tierney will pick up injuries and often those injuries can be the type that keep him out for a while. 
And so we need somebody trusted who could come in and play that role and do it to a good level. And clearly, Mikel Arteta likes his fullbacks to get forward as well. And I think Zinchenko has shown, again, on numerous occasions, that he is capable of doing both sides of the game to a pretty good level. Now, I'm not saying Zinchenko is the best left back in the world. I'm not saying he's Kieran Tierney. I'm not even saying he's close to that. But I certainly would put a lot more trust in Alexander Zinchenko playing there at this moment in time than I do in Nuno Tavares. And that's not to say I want to bin Tavares or I don't want him at the club or I don't think that in the future he can bring something to the table. But right at this point, I think that Zinchenko would be an upgrade, not just at left back, but on a lot of our midfield options as well. Is he going to be someone in an ideal world when we have the team that we want, when Mikel Arteta has the side he wants, the 11 that he wants? Is Zinchenko going to be somebody that plays every single week? Probably not. But what he brings to the table, as I say, is a versatility, is a know-how, is an experience, is a professionalism, and is a quality that we don't have enough of in and around the group. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's my thought on it um i think he would be i think he would be a really really smart signing and when you look at what he's valued at according to transfer mark then i know i say this every time i bring up a transfer marked valuation i know their valuations are not gospel but when you're talking about what 22 and a half million pounds is what he's rated at on there if you could get him for sort of 18 to 20 million pounds that would feel like a really good piece of business and it would help us in a couple of areas so it would help us at left back to provide cover to Kieran Tierney in the very likely event that he picks up an injury. And of course, uh, he would help us in the midfield as well, because I would say he's probably when he's on song and when he's playing at his best, the way he does for Ukraine, for example, where he's playing, you know, in that centre midfield position, he can probably bring a lot of what Granit Xhaka brings to the table. He's definitely an upgrade on Elneny. He's definitely at this point today an upgrade on Lokonga, although I do expect Lokonga to kick on and develop and become a, a very good player with time. But he just gives us that something different. It just gives us another option in the sense of it just, you know, and he's played that pep football. He's played that intense football. He's played that, you know, possession based game. He's played a lot of, uh, you know, it, he's, he's shown a lot of the things that Mikel Arteta and Pep Guardiola clearly are in sync with. His relationship with Mikel Arteta means that that might persuade him to come. But it also means that if Mikel Arteta, as we believe, is interested, then he's doing so from a position of education, of knowledge around what the player is, who he is as a person as well, what type of character he will bring. So I think that, you know, I'm not always a big fan of like going and bringing players that you've worked with all the time. But we've seen a lot of managers over the years do that to great effect. You know, if you think about Antonio Conte, there's there's always been, if not the same player, but a certain profile type of player that he takes with him wherever he goes. Jose Mourinho did it uh, as well. We we see it a lot in football. And, um, and to be able to bring somebody to the club who not only adds to the squad in all the ways that I've discussed, but also has an existing relationship with Mikel Arteta, I think is, um, is a good thing. So if this deal could be done, if Zinchenko wants it, if... Manchester City are open to it. If Arsenal feel it's worth the investment, then I would welcome Alexander Zinchenko with open arms at Emirates Stadium. I really, really would. Um, let's get some of you guys' thoughts on Alexander Zinchenko, of course, being linked with a move from Manchester City to uh, the Gunners. Uh, what have we got? 
Martin says uh, signs Inchenko for 25 million and sell Tierney for 50. And it's a win-win situation. Look, I don't want to be selling Kieran Tierney. I, I appreciate that it's frustrating the frequency with which he gets injured. And it's frustrating that we can't rely on his fitness and we can't rely on him to be fit over the course of a season. Um, but I wouldn't be selling him. And and I think for me, Zinchenko makes sense half because he can do the left-back job and half because he's a midfield backup. So if, you, if you're not looking at him as a midfielder or you're not considering him as a midfielder, for me, that takes away 50% of the appeal. Does that make sense? 50% of Alexander Zinchenko's appeal to me personally is that he can play midfield and defence. So if you get rid of Kieran Tierney with the idea of playing Zinchenko left-back and only at left-back every single week, then I think there are better left-backs out there. I think this appeals because of the fact that he is where he is, that he's won a lot of things, that he's clearly very experienced, clearly a good professional. The fact that he is versatile, the fact that, you know, he has that existing relationship with Mikel Arteta, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's a lot of things going for him. But if you're going to get rid of Kieran Tierney, like you're suggesting, Martin, and I don't think that Arsenal would do this. And if Arsenal did do this, you'd get the classic, you know, the look at Arsenal just being run as a business, just doing this, just doing that, just trying to balance the books, just trying to make profits, etc. So that would be like a PR disaster in the eyes of the fans as well. So I don't expect that to happen. I don't think that will happen. Um, so, yeah, uh, signs Zinchenko for 20 million, sell Kiarantini for 50 is a win-win. Not for me, not for me. Uh, Skipster says that Zinchenko would be a very clever signing. We can offer him his central left midfield position for which um, Manchester City bought him as. Yeah, you know, and he might, the fact that he'll be told if we did sort of move forward in this negotiation or, or if this did develop into a negotiation, the fact that he would probably be told, look, you will get to play predominantly in that midfield position that you really want to play in. The position that Manchester City at the moment can't facilitate you playing in. But be it known that if we need you at left back, you will be tasked with that role as well. But I think being able to dangle that midfield sort of carrot to him would be uh, very, very appealing. Uh, Matt says, Zinchenko and Jesus for £60 million. Let's get it done. That would be good business. Afsar says, is he a bit like Ainsley Maitland-Niles? I think he's better than Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I really, really do. I don't think Ainsley Maitland-Niles is half as good as, as people uh, want you to believe. I think that, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff over the last few days with Roma winning the Europa Conference League. I saw somebody saying, oh, look at Maitland-Niles. He got away from the loser Mikel Arteta and now he's won the Europa Conference League. What a load of nonsense. Ainsley Maitland-Niles doesn't play at Roma. He does not play, does not get in Jose Mourinho's starting lineup. He's not good enough. He's gone there and they've realised it too. You know, he's not good enough in the centre of midfield to hold down a position there. I always said, and I've said this repeatedly, I've been very, very consistent on this. In order for Ainsley Maitland-Niles to have the best career that he can possibly have, he has to utilise the fact that he is versatile. The minute you start demanding to play in the centre of midfield and then you can't reach that level and you can't produce at that level week in, week out, all of a sudden, you know, you don't stand out anymore. So I think that's Maitland-Niles' problem. Uh, Matt says, 
I think he would be a really smart signing. If true, I can see what Arteta is doing, bringing in players who can play multiple positions. Uh, Matt Tomo says, honestly, Zinchenko is a guy I would 100% get on the back of my shirt. I'm sure there's a bit of Ukrainian bias there as well. Uh, Matt G also adds uh, that he'd be really good for the dressing room in terms of his mentality. Yeah, point I made earlier. I absolutely agree with that. Um, what else have we got? Diogene says Zinchenko is a smart buy, but would he accept to be a left back at Arsenal sitting behind Gunduan, Kevin De Bruyne and Silva is different than Odegaard and Xhaka. Yeah, but Diogene as well. The, the other thing is as well, right, that we're back in Europe and that means Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, you know, for the most part of the season. So to be able to have, uh, you know, an Alexander Zinchenko who can come into the team either in midfield or either at left back without really impacting the level, I think is, is, is really important. Um, I really, really do. Uh, Thibaut Pesk says um, he wouldn't be a cover though. If he comes, it means we're selling Tierney. I'm not sure. I don't believe that because I think he'd be coming predominantly as a midfielder. Uh, Skipster says I'd prefer Zinchenko as the left back cover rather than Jacker. Yeah. Wouldn't we all mate? Um, Sko says he can fight out with Tierney when Tierney is fit. And he will for sure play when Kieran he isn't fit. Tavares can get alone. He's also versatile and crucially knows the system Arteta plays would be a good signing. Uh, Creambone says, is buying Man City Castos rather than uh, Chelsea rejects a sign that Arsenal are making progress? You can look at it like that. You'd rather be taking Castos from the champions than a club who sit in third place, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. But what's really, really interesting, mate, is that we're not, you know, we're not no longer looking at 31, 32-year-olds in the way that we did when it was Willian or when it was David Luiz or, um, you know, or anybody that we've kind of been sort of, I guess, duped for in the past. You know, you're, you're talking about two players in Zinchenko and Jesus who are 25 years old, who in theory are probably at the best point in their careers and, and still are at a point where there's plenty of room to grow, room to develop and many years in front of them. So, yeah, it, it is progress, isn't it? And I think a lot of the time we talk about relationships in football, don't we? Um, we talk about, you know, we talked in the past about Edu's relationship with Kia Jurabshan and how that was a problem for Arsenal and how, um, you know, that that was that was causing us to to go out looking for players who, specifically had a relationship with him and that it was blinding us maybe a little bit in the transfer market and we weren't doing things right as a consequence and as a result of that. But I actually think that for all the bad examples of relationships causing a problem in your dealings, I think there's we've seen a lot of cases over the years where actually having strong bonds and strong relationships with people can really, really help you. And I think that we've got an opportunity to utilise the relationship that Mikel Arteta has with Pep Guardiola, not necessarily with the club, because Manchester City won't sell if they don't want to sell. Manchester City won't let players go if they don't want them to go. But we can also utilise Mikel Arteta's relationship with the players, because they'll know what they'd be signing up for if they were to come over to Arsenal from Manchester City. That helps. That familiarity is a big thing. And make no mistake about it, regardless of what you'll hear from certain sections of the Arsenal fan base who say that Mikel Arteta is awful and he's useless and he doesn't have a clue what he's doing and he's a rubbish coach and he's a rubbish tactician and he's a terrible man manager. If you talk to people at Manchester City or people that have been involved with Manchester City, they will tell you 
in their eyes, Mikel Arteta still has a lot to learn and he's still developing and growing as a manager. But as a coach, he is top, top draw. And so if he wasn't, would these players even entertain the idea of coming to Arsenal? I think you're going to look. I think when you see some of these deals that we think might happen, if they do materialise, I think it will shut a lot of people up who, you know, constantly want to put Mikel Arteta down because that would be the proof in the pudding. The proof would be that players like Gabriel Jesus, who are likely to move on this summer and could have their pick of any number of clubs, would choose Arsenal for Arteta. Not for Arsenal. Not at this moment in time. And what I mean by that is, yeah, Arsenal are a huge football club, a massive football club, and we'll always have that global appeal. But if a Champions League club comes knocking on your door and Arsenal come knocking on your door, Mikel Arteta could well be the deciding factor because of that relationship and because of the fact that these players admire him and rate him as a coach. Craig Barlow says, why would Zinchenko leave a winning City team to join a novice? I get Gabriel Jesus because of Haaland's arrival, but Zinchenko uh, would be mad moving in my opinion. But it all comes down to their role within the squad, doesn't it, Craig? You know, we don't know what Manchester City's plans are for the summer outside of the Erling Haaland signing. And Alexander Zinchenko isn't really playing all that much, not from the start of games anyway. Um, he's only started 26% of their Premier League games this season. He's made 15 appearances, uh, during which he's managed four assists, by the way, which is pretty impressive. Um, in the Champions League, he uh, made eight appearances. He started 42% of those games because of some injury problems that they had. In the FA Cup, he appeared in four, he started in 40% of their games. And in the Carabao Cup, he started in 50% of their games. So he's not somebody that starts week in, week out for Manchester City. And that might be a reason uh, for him to uh, potentially want to move on. Uh, big hello to uh, Billy Anderson as well. Hope you're good, mate. Uh, let's take a couple more of your thoughts and questions on this before we move on to the next subject. Matt says, Harry, do you think this means we're no longer looking at Hickey? Um, I don't know. I don't know that, Matt. Um, but I do think that we need to keep our options open, right? We can't be um, sort of married to, to one or two players and then be in a position later on in the window where we're panicking because we couldn't find or we didn't identify alternatives to them. I like Aaron Hickey. I really, really do. I'm a big Serie A fan. I watch a lot of it. I've seen a lot of him. And I think that one day he will make a good Premier League fullback. The only thing I would say here is that, of course, there's always that element of risk, particularly and more so when you're coming from another league. So I'm not saying I don't want Aaron Hickey. I actually think that would be a smart signing because of going back to the Zinchenko point. It's the same for Hickey because of that versatility that he brings and provides. But if you asked me, going into a crucial Premier League game, which one I'd rather have at left-back covering Kieran Tierney, right now it would be Alexander Zinchenko. Add to that that Zinchenko brings you another dimension in midfield, I believe, as well. I think that that trumps, you know, that trumps the Aaron Hickey possibilities. And I don't know that either of them are going to happen. We're just talking about speculation at the moment. But um, yeah, that's where I'm at on that. Uh, let me just take a couple more um, of your uh, of your thoughts. Uh, Devin Davis thinks that Zinchenko is an upgrade on both Tierney and Tavares. Look what he did for City against Villa. He changed the game. I'm not even going to dispute that. Um, I'm not even going to dispute that. But um, 
but I don't I, I don't envisage Arsenal trying to move Kieran Tierney on this summer. I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm not going to get into this, you know, like kind of, I don't know, into, I'm not going to get sucked into this idea of Kieran Tierney being sold or, or, or try to convince myself that Zinchenko is a better option at left back because I don't believe that Kieran Tierney is going anywhere. And I do believe that when he's fit and available, he is one of the first names on the team sheet. Okay, look, let's move on. Um, on uh, Let's move on from this one. Uh, we've got a few more bits to discuss as well on the show. And then we'll take a few of your questions at the end. Now, the next player I want to discuss is another player who is being linked with Arsenal, who admittedly I don't know an awful lot about. But I am going to uh, bring you uh, up to speed with some of the stats and some of the facts around this particular player. And then we'll talk... Um, about whether he's someone that we'd like. Again, we're not doing it from a very educated position, admittedly, and so we will have to bring on someone who's got greater knowledge uh, of the player if indeed this moves on and if indeed this materialises. But according to the Mirror, Arsenal are interested in Lons midfielder Cheikh Ducore, who is 22 years old. Now, the report goes on to say that Brighton, or it says, however, Brighton, Everton, Crystal Palace and Wolves are also keeping tabs on the Mali International. Now, what I will say is this. If we can't beat those clubs to a target, then we've got no hope. Now, that's not to be disrespectful to any of those named clubs. Brighton, Everton, Crystal Palace, Wolves, all solid football clubs, um, you know, with the exception of Everton, all achieved pretty decent seasons based on their standards, you would say. But look, we if, if we're after this player, Cheikh Ducore, and again, like just reiterating the point that I'm not um, massively aware of him. I, I don't know an awful lot about him. He, someone who's 22 years old, he's a Malian international, has made eight appearances for the national team, 34 appearances uh, in Liga and last season for uh, for his club. Uh, along the way, he picked up seven yellow cards. He is a defensive midfielder, so that's not uncommon, really. Uh, picked up one red card, played 86% of their minutes across the season and, of course, um, contributed one goal and four assists. Now, where did they end up in the table? I don't really know. And I know that that doesn't really give you an indication of the player, but it gives you an idea of the standard at which he's playing. Lons finished in seventh place above Lyon uh, in the French league and last season. So, um, 22 years old, right footed, his contract expires in, uh, 2024. So perhaps there's a, there's an opportunity to try and, uh, persuade Lance to let go of him at this point, according to transfer mark, this value is around about 9 million pounds. So this would feel like a low risk, potentially higher reward signing, but is he somebody that I would look at and say, okay, if that was the only midfielder we bought in, uh, during this window, I'd be satisfied. I can't say that. I've got to be honest. I can't say that. So for that reason, um, I'm not massive on this one. Um, but listen, if if somebody was to come on the show or if I was able to speak to somebody, and I, I'm sure I can, I've got uh, a French uh, football writer lined up to join us on the show. I think it's going to be on Monday. Um, a colleague of mine over at 90 Min France who I had the pleasure of uh, of meeting uh, during the Barcelona trip that we went on just recently. He's going to come on and he'll be able to tell us a little bit about Cheikh Ducore as well. There, there comes a point, I think, where as a fan, you kind of just have to, you know, we can have opinions on everything and everyone. And I think nowadays more so than ever, 
have more access to information, more access to video, more access to stats, and, and we're able to make our own analysis and draw our own conclusions. But I think with with sort of being a fan, you're in this really weird position where you know who you want to see your club sign in a lot of cases. You could quite easily draw up a list of players that you think would come in and do a good job for Arsenal. But you don't often take into account whether those deals are feasible, how much those deals would cost, whether the player actually intends to join you, would be happy to join you. You've got to think about things outside of football, like their family life. Do they want to uproot from wherever they are and come to London? And it's really, really easy as a fan to kind of draw up these transfer wish lists. I think there comes a place and there comes a point where we as fans have to step back and go, OK, I don't know who this guy is. I didn't really know all that much about Tommy Asu before we signed him. But there comes a point where you have to step back and say, OK, I trust that if the club are going after a name that is a little bit left field, they've done their due diligence and they've done some work to to identify this guy as as a potential um good signing. So that's where I am on this one with Jake Decore. You know, he's not somebody that would be on my transfer wish list, but if the club think he's the right person, that means they've done work to to come to that conclusion. And I guess to a degree, you kind of have to trust in that work and you can't really be critical until it goes south. I mean, we've been critical of deals in the past. I mean, I remember saying at the start of last summer that, you know, I wasn't sure about Ramsdale. I didn't know if he was the right goalkeeper for us. And then I was saying later on in the window when we were in this position where we still needed to to fix it. I was in a position where I was saying, uh, you know, I, I don't know about this. Um, could we spend 25 million somewhere better? Could we spend that 25 million a little bit more wisely? I don't know. Um, but that one worked out. So it's a classic example of where you need to just step back and, and let it let it take its course and see uh, where we're at. Uh, Creambone in the chat says, come on, people, tickle the like button. Yeah, please do, guys, because look, there's nearly 400 of you with us live right now on YouTube, and we've only got 56 likes on the board. There's no reason why we can't hit 200 likes uh, on this stream. So uh, please do help me out. Get involved. Uh, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel if you're new alongside us as well. Okay, so check the core supposedly being linked with a move to Arsenal. As I say, don't know an awful lot about him, but just wanted to bring that report to your attention uh, because he is said to be somebody that the Gunners are looking at. Um, also, wanted to touch on uh, Marquinhos. Now, the Brazilian uh, has been linked with a move to Arsenal for a few weeks now. Um, but, you know, we heard a little while ago that maybe a week ago that this was very close to being done, that it was very close to an agreement being reached between the two clubs. However, um, according to a report um, from Georges Nicola, who is a, uh, a journalist, it doesn't look as though this one is uh, is moving at all. And the reason for that is due to a legal dispute involving Wolverhampton Wanderers. So let me just take you through what the latest is on this. Um, 
Arsenal's attempts to sign Sao Paulo starlet Marquinhos this summer have been complicated by the revelation that the 19-year-old has already struck a deal to join Wolves. The Gunners have been in talks with Sao Paulo and Marquinhos over a £3 million deal that was expected to be completed this summer. However, things have taken an unexpected twist, as numerous outlets have reported that the winger, whose Sao Paulo contract is understood to be expiring this summer, had already put pen to paper on a pre-contract agreement with Wolves. First, it was George Nicola who revealed that Wolves had hired a Brazilian law firm to take action against Marquinhos, who was accused of breaking the terms of his written agreement with the Midlands club in order to sign for Arsenal. The legal dispute was then later confirmed by the Daily Mail, who had Sao Paulo made the decision to offer Marquinhos to Arsenal for a small fee before his contract expired, and he walked away for nothing. As a result, Wolves are now said to be considering legal action against Sao Paulo as well as the player. And to add to all the complication, Sao Paulo have disputed the length of Marquinhos' contract. Now, back in 2019, a 16-year-old Marquinhos inked a five-year deal to commit himself to the club until 2024. But that went against FIFA rules, which state that underage players can only sign for three years. In FIFA's eyes, Marquinhos is a free agent this summer, and that is why Wolves have moved to try and sign him for free. But Sao Paulo moved to try and sell the young winger by arguing that he's still under contract for two more years. Wolves are expected to consider all their options in the coming days, with legal action against Arsenal not ruled out either. I mean, what a mess. What an absolute shit show this is. Um, so basically, in a nutshell... Sao Paulo think that Marquinhos has a signed when he did sign uh, back in uh, 2019, a five year deal. FIFA rules state you can't do that. So does that become null and void? I don't know. But Wolves say that they had an agreement in place with the player. This is absolutely bonkers. Um, and, and, you know, we're involved in, in this dispute now, which could lead to legal action against us as a football club. It, this is madness. It really, really is. And, to be honest with you, I like Marquinhos. I like what I've seen of him. I, I spoke to some of my colleagues uh, in Brazil, um, uh, you know, during that aforementioned trip, and all the reviews and all the chat around Marquinhos was very, very positive. Uh, and he looked like someone that I would be quite happy to see come to the club. I said that I think that if he does come, he'll probably be loaned out initially, or, um, or, or be someone who's on the peripheries of things. But yeah, this is. This is one of those things where you look at it and you go, you know, is, is this worth the aggro? Is this worth the hassle? Um, someone says in the chat, why would Arsenal face legal action? Well, I guess if Arsenal were to enter an agreement with Sao Paulo over a player who isn't actually under contract based on FIFA rules, overriding a pre-contract agreement that he signed with Wolves, then... Arsenal would be, I guess, complicit in some way, shape or form. I don't know exactly. I'm not a legal expert, but um, it just feels like we're just getting sucked in to what seems like a bit of a messy situation. Um, but Wolves clearly want him. Otherwise, they wouldn't be taking it this far either, would they? So, yeah, that's the latest uh, on Marquinhos. Now, before we move on, I just want to quickly uh, bring you guys' attention uh, to the latest uh, prize available over with our partners at Football Prizes, who always have great Arsenal stuff 
up for grabs. And this time around, it is a Gabriel Martinelli signed and framed Arsenal shirt, plus the opportunity uh, to win one of 11 instant win prizes. Now, those prizes include a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang framed Arsenal shirt, a Arsenal home shirt for the new season, a Cesc Fabregas signed and framed Emirates Stadium street sign and vouchers for both football prizes and football prizes site credit. Now, tickets for this one are just £4.95. There are 199 of those tickets available and the competition ends on Monday, May 30th at 730 PM. Now, if we just have a look at where we're at at the minute, 125 of the 199 tickets have already been sold. Therefore, uh, you need to get on this one quickly if it's something you're interested in, because once the tickets are gone, they are gone. And this auction may not go on until Monday night when the deadline is. So if you are interested, click on the link in the description, check out football prizes um, and uh, and get uh, involved in the competition. Gabby Martinelli signed and framed Arsenal shirt is up for grabs as well as a number of other prizes. OK, we're going to take a very, very short pause and then uh, we're going to be tackling some of your questions for the remainder of the show. So please do start filling up the chat box now. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and uh, this is today's edition of the Press Review coming to you live on our YouTube channel and, of course, in podcast format on all major podcast stores. If you're listening via the podcast stores, please do leave us a review, particularly if you're an Apple podcast listener, because that really, really does help us. Uh, and also, if you are watching or listening via YouTube, please do leave a like on the video, leave a comment too, and subscribe. Uh, there's over 400 of you watching us right now, but we've only got 91 likes on the board. I'm talking about YouTube right now. Come on, I want to get up to 200 by the time the stream ends. So please do smash the like button if you haven't done so already. Right, let's take some of your questions. Mr. M uh, says, is Arsenal or are Arsenal interested in Alvaro Morata? We heard that rumour. We heard that talk uh, during the uh, during the uh, January window. There was a talk about him potentially coming in after we missed out on uh, Dusan Vlavic, who now plays his football for Juventus. I do wonder if Morata will look to move on because of that situation. Um, you know, because of the fact that Vlavic has come. Do you know what? In fact, let me check what Morata's contract situation is because. Um, sorry, he's on loan to Juve. I thought so. That's why I thought it just prompted me to check. It just came up in my head. Yeah, so he returns to Atletico Madrid officially at the end of the season. It just, as I was saying that, it just kind of triggered something in my head. Hold on a minute. Do Juve actually own him? No, they don't. He is uh, Atletico Madrid's player. Are Arsenal interested? Not to my knowledge. I mean, we, we keep hearing that there's a long list of strikers that Arsenal are, are considering this summer, but I don't know uh, that we're in for him. So um, no, I'm not going to get uh, drawn into that one, but there, I'm, I have seen some reports and I'm sure there'll be more over the course of the summer. Matt says, slightly off topic, but do you think Liverpool winning the Champions League could have a positive impact on Arsenal's summer transfers by encouraging players to join the Premier League? It's an interesting question, but I think with the Premier League, I think the appeal that they have above anywhere else, regardless of what they achieve on the European stage, is that 
um, they, they could just pay so much more money. And I think that the, the prospect of playing in the most watched league in the world, um, I don't know why I did that. It is true. It is the most watched league in the world. I don't know why um, people wouldn't want to join the Premier League, I guess, uh, Matt. You know, it's the, the coverage is insane. The audience is insane. The money is insane. Um, the football is is of a very, very high level. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that that would change it so much. Um, I hope they don't win the Champions League for what it's worth. I'd much rather see Real Madrid uh, pick up another, uh, you know, big-ish trophy than, um, than, of course, Liverpool. But obviously, I make Liverpool favourites because they are the better side uh, overall. Dimitri says, uh, up at 6am for once. Happy to be catching this live. Good to have you with us, mate. Uh, good to have you with us. Uh, right, let's take some more. Um, Adesola uh, says, hi, Harry. This is Olu from Chicago, Illinois. Hope you're well, mate. Big hello to everybody joining us from the States. He says, what's your opinion on the Marquinhos transfer saga with Wolves now involved? We, we kind of briefly spoke about that just now. Um, my thoughts are, I would be weighing up right now if this is worth something if this is something worth entering into and getting involved in. So that's my take on that. Uh, Matt Guna says, thoughts on the links to Awa again. Uh, is there anything to it? Or is this just because we've been linked with him in the last two years? Is it a bit like Draxler at 2.0? <laughs> I think, um, I think for me, this is one of those convenient links. You know, we were heavily, heavily linked with Hussein Mawar when we signed Thomas Partey, if you remember. And uh, Jean-Michel Olas, the Lyon president, was very outspoken about the fact that in his opinion or, or his account of things was that, or suggested or, or, or said, I guess, that Arsenal weren't willing to meet the asking price set for the player. And Arsenal sort of jostled for position and, and people were sort of being very, very critical of Arsenal and the fact that they didn't go after Awa. And then we ended up signing Thomas Partey on transfer deadline day for more money than what Leon were asking for Hussein Awa. So actually, it, it then led me to question whether Arsenal were actually as interested in Hussein Awa as the reports at the time were suggesting. Um, look, he's... Uh, there's been a lot of criticism of him this season. Again, I don't follow French football particularly closely, but from what I've read, he's, he's sort of come at loggerheads with some of the fans. He's been booed at times based on what they believe to be a lack of, of effort from him. It just, it, it doesn't feel like a good fit for me because of his character, because of, you know, and, and I don't want to judge someone that I don't know anything about. And I don't really want to sort of go as far as saying, you know, he's he's a bad apple or anything like that, because I don't know that to be true. But when you read articles like that and you think about how much work we've had to do as a football club behind the scenes to essentially abolish that kind of behaviour and that kind of attitude, it just feels like a risk, you know, to go and bring somebody in like that. But from what I've read today, he could be available for as little as 12, 14 million pounds, in which case it might be worth taking a bit of a punt on him. I, I really don't know, but I, I haven't seen this from anything or, or I haven't heard this um, as something that is close or something that is a real possibility at this moment in time. I feel like today, and this could change as the window goes on, but I feel like today this is just one of those convenient rumours and a very, very easy story for people to write. Richie says, your thoughts on Jed Spence? I feel he's not just a one, 
I, I feel he is not just a one-trick pony. Granted, I did at first and appreciated your cautious initial views on him. He could be a good option for us. Again, I, I was working with um, with a Forest fan on TalkSport 2 uh, the other day uh, with John Jackson, who's uh, who covers Nottingham Forest very closely. And I asked him about Jed Spence just in conversation. And one of the things he said to me was that it's a little bit hit and miss. And um, and that scares me a little bit. Like he has put in some superb, um, you know, performances in the FA Cup in particular. And that's really caught people's eye and it's really sort of elevated his status. Again, it's one of those that if the price was right, I may be tempted into taking a bit of a punt on him. But if not, then I, I'm not I'm not going to cry or, or be too disappointed or too frustrated about this. Martin says, Harry, uh, we had an offer declined by Porto, or, or we, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We declined an offer from Porto for Cedric, according to the reports. If they came back in for him, would you let him go? Not without bringing in another fullback. You know, I, I don't want to keep seeing us weaken the squad, weaken the squad. I was all for it in January because there were players that didn't have a future at Arsenal. And I'm not saying that Cedric has a massive future or a massive part to play. But we read, didn't we, a piece from The Athletic the other day in which they sort of summarised Cedric's season as one that actually the club have been quite happy and quite satisfied with. So I don't expect him to be going and I'd only let him go if it brought the kind of money or, or gave us that freedom or even was that little bit extra that we needed to get in another top fullback. Um, because I think we've, you know, people have talked about Arsenal bottling it and, and, you know, I've seen a lot of criticism for Arteta and a lot of criticism for certain players and certain individuals and the fact that we were without this guy and without that guy and the impact and the influence that, that had. Look, the, the injuries and the part that they played should not be underestimated. You know, you lose... Emil Smith Road to injury, for example, you've got Gabriel Martinelli, and you probably get by quite seamlessly. You know, you, you know, you lose one of your fullbacks. You lost Tommy Asu, might have got away with that had Tierney been fit. So I think a culmination of really key injuries actually cost Arsenal. And I thought that Cedric was always going to struggle in that side with, you know, a weak fullback on the other flank as well. But actually, I was pleasantly surprised with the way he performed. That, with the exception of maybe one or two games against high-quality opponents, I don't really remember Cedric being too bad or having too many difficult moments. Now, I'm not saying that I, I want him in the team or anything like that, but we're at a point now where we're back in Europe and we need that squad. You know, we could strip it back in January because we didn't have European football, but that had to be with a view to rebuilding it and rebolstering it come the summer. So... Would I let him go if the price was right and I felt that I could bring somebody in to do an equal or better job? Then, yeah, I would. But at this moment in time, I, I don't see the benefit in letting players go. Because let's be honest, whatever we get for Cedric, it's going to be a nominal fee. You know, it's not going to be 15, 20 million pounds that you can put towards your transfer kit. You're probably talking four, five million at best for somebody like Cedric. So um, on that basis... If we're not going to be able to bring somebody in, then um, then no, I'd keep hold of him for now. Anyway, look, we are going to leave it there. Uh, some great questions as always. And, um, and we'll be back, uh, of course, uh, tomorrow with another edition 
of the show, of the press review. So please do uh, make sure that you're subscribed to the channel. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you leave us a review. If you're listening on audio, make sure you hit that like button on YouTube. In fact, let's check in on the likes just quickly again. 400 of you watching, but again, still only 113 on there. Come on, let's get that as close to 200 as we possibly, possibly can. As I say, there will be a show coming out tomorrow. There won't be one on Sunday. It's my little girl's christening day, so I'm going to be uh, busy all day. I'm not going to be about, I'm not going to look at the laptop. I'm not going to look at the phone. Um, but yeah, looking uh, looking forward to that and then getting back to the real world on Monday with some more work and some more Arsenal transfer talk. I'll catch you all a little bit later on. Until then, take care of yourselves and goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.